So does the weight and responsibility of having your own podcast ever kind of hit you like a gut punch? I was going to say it hits me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does for me too. Good. That's why being the host of both podcasts, I've decided to start my own organization. This is an initiative to promote literacy amongst America's youth called Read to Me Even Though You're Not My Real Dad. Okay. Like, I like it. is schlubby, single, 30-something men mm-hmm. with, um, let's say, underprivileged, um, like grade school age children okay. who need a mentor. Um, this sounds like it might have some issues, but I, I would like you to explain it some more. I just sounds like a good idea. I haven't even uh, oh, filed yeah. for a uh, uh, LLC. I was going to say LLC, but, a patent of, uh, of such. Like a good idea. And maybe, like in a movie, uh, is there some romance between, you know, uh, our, uh, the schlubby dudes and uh, the single moms? Raise their kids. Gotcha, gotcha. Probably uh, not. Know who I thought would be our our lead in this? Chris Pratt. No, no. Why not? Nobody that handsome. Mm. I guess you have to put put on some weight. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking like dudes who wear like cargo shorts in the winter. You used to wear cargo shorts in the winter, didn't you? I still do. Okay. That's I mean, good. I'm more of a sweatpants man now. I know when we worked together, you would uh, often get holes in your pants. Just not to make you sound like a, a schlub, but you get holes in your pants. Remember that? And I'd still wear them because yep. I didn't want to buy new work pants. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Did you not want me to bring that up? Is that no, that's thing? fine. That's, uh, you know, there's a hole in my Adidas pants right now. Adidas pants, like uh, like a sporting pant. I wear track suits now, track pants. You wear track suits, interesting. Not suits, I don't wear the top. No, I know it is. Oh, okay. Just just a shirt and a track. Just a t-shirt and some track pants. And my wife hates it because I go out in public. Unless like a if we're going out to dinner, like a serious place, I won't. But if we're running errands or something, I'll wear my. There's nothing more for me personally uncomfortable than wearing track bottoms and then having like your keys and some loose change in your in your pockets mm-hmm. i don't know why it just makes me feel not like you gotta get yourself together here this the most comfortable thing in the world to okay wear. well hey you know yin and yang that's why this podcast works i mm-hmm. find it repulsive you find it comforting are you wearing what jeans I wear jeans like I wear okay so this might sound like a psychopath move I wear jeans all day at work and then I come home and I still have those jeans on hmm. that weird that's fine I just can't get comfortable in jeans they're I have too jeans on for like 16 hours a day yeah they're too denim Levi's get at me Were you the kid in like uh, grade school league basketball who played basketball in jeans nope there's always wear, one kid who yeah I'll be, I'll be honest I don't think I wore jeans until college really <laughs> i didn't wear track pants until college there's a reason why in all those mafia movies all the the mafia dudes are wearing track suits yeah why is it's that because they don't have to show up to a real job mm-hmm. the nature of their work kind of 
allows them to dress in the most comfortable manner possible, which is a track. Yeah. Do you know who, who pulled off the track bottoms the best I've ever seen? Me? Nope. Oh. Ben Affleck in the town. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. He's a bank robber. Mm-hmm. He just, yeah. That's good. Anyway. So back, I don't even know where, where we were going with this. So your plan is for schlubby guys to read but why are the schlubby guys book nerds yeah they're sci-fi dorks talk to to your kid about brandon sanderson and um you know tolkien steve erickson is that a science steve erickson i just that one just popped in my head that's weird patrick rothfuss if he would ever finish that series dork out on game of thrones all right I wonder if Roth, Rothfuss seems like a sweatpants dude. Oh. Ever seen him on YouTube? I think that's us judging him, but yeah. I'm a sweatpants dude. I like Rothfuss. Okay. Hey. I like him. Do you think we look like Rothfuss together? Yeah, I think we both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just big old bearded dudes. I know. I uh this this introduction's insane, but I'm gonna <laughs> add to it. Uh about a half hour ago I ate waffles. Uh, I put here's what I do with my waffles like peanut butter and you put some syrup on there it's yeah I do it too gives me a rush but I feel like falling asleep about 30 minutes later anyway uh, finished that up and uh, I realized I had a bunch of syrup in my beard such is my life right now well here's a question Mm -hmm. did you wash it off or you just roll with it Uh, I you know what I did try to wash it off but I wasn't very uh, thorough Let's just put it that way. There might be some syrup still in the beard. That's right. Let it crystallize. Be a snack later. Perfect. And on that note, welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books and syrup. I am Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, happy new year. Yeah. If I had some sort of uh, thing, fireworks, I would I would light them in my room and... Uh, throw them outside and celebrate the new year um that would be insane but don't one do of those little kazoo things a kazoo. kazoo with the paper that unfolds we just say like new books use books yeah on one side you know anyway. how was your new year's it was good it was good okay didn't do anything i i drank a thing of um diet ginger ale okay the wife and i watched spinal tap uh, yep and i went to bed at 10 o'clock well, you know what I did? I stayed up and past midnight. Yeah. So I was up for, I took a nap, but I was up for about 20 of 24 hours. How about that? That's impressive. Yeah. For What'd you little, do? Uh, a Zoom call, you know. Oh, with family and stuff? Friends. Friends. Nice. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, Matt, this uh, week we have our January book nominations. And then we also have some... Uh, talk about what we got for christmas book wise uh and some other miscellaneous things where do you want to start oh i don't know oh actually i have some like random stuff Let's notes start. and book thoughts and whatnot that Sounds i didn't want to fall through the cracks oh actually yeah hold on i have a random thing too yeah that i was gonna i was gonna forget i finished a really good book so uh, yeah sometimes on this podcast we don't talk about books all that often most of the times we do. Sometimes we get rambly. I finished uh, The Cold Millions by Jess Walter. Yeah. Excellent book. Highly recommend it. Historical fiction fans. Uh, 
fans of good writing in general. Uh, Jess Walter wrote a book called Beautiful Ruins, which was very popular, I want to say, eight years ago. Uh, he has a short story collection called We Live in Water. Um, he has a couple other fiction books as well. But this new one, The Cold Millions, takes place in Spokane, Washington around 1909 during like labor unrest and revolt. Um, two very interesting characters, uh, a cast of interesting characters, a great um, set pieces in the in the novel, kind of cinematic in nature. I could see this uh, book being easily uh, adapted to a TV show or even a movie. So uh, just want to put that out there. Recommend Recommendation if you're looking for a good historical novel, uh, The Cold Millions by Jess Walter. Would I like it? You would like it, I think. Sounds great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to borrow it, I will uh, lend you my copy. You bought it? I bought it. Nice. I think he's 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 entered into the uh, auto buy. Oh yeah. Nice. One of the you know handful of authors who has a new book coming out, I'll probably buy it. Okay. Unless it just totally the synopsis just totally doesn't do anything for me. But um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So yeah, I may take you up on that. Okay. Uh, what were your uh, miscellaneous book thoughts? Well, first of all, I wanted to say I got a a uh, couple days ago mm-hmm. i got a phone call from my brother yep his name is thad he's i want to ask you this you ever get upset that his name is cooler than yours no okay continue he's got a cool name yep so I- and like most normal people below 40 almost never we almost never talk on the phone it's always texts so yeah. i saw he was calling and I was like, well, this is either like he and his wife are having a baby or it's time to put dad in home. Okay. Like, you know, one spectrum or the other. Yeah. So I answer and you know what he says? Nope. Like, I just listened to your Home Alone episode and I wanted to tell you, and he made a really good point, which yeah. is, so remember we were talking about what the parents do for a living. Yeah, you know, must be lawyers or corporate people of some sort to be able to afford a trip to Paris. He informed me that is actually mentioned in both movies that they have a rich aunt and uncle who are paying for the trip to Paris, and then who in the second one own the renovated, oh, you know what, that's three-story true. apartment in New York. So that is how they come from money. Here, but hear me out do the aunt and uncle also pay for that really sweet house i don't know well or they i think they're still both lawyers okay but it's also off screen there's rich family the type Mm. of the type of rich who will pay for 14 people to go to paris and who can afford property in both in paris and new york so that means those that aunt uncle i think hmm, that's a that i mean they have to make a lot of money like a lot, they have to be uh, importers, exporters, yeah, stuff like that. They have to have like shipping containers, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, or like a business front, or they smuggled cocaine and heroin, something. Arms, wealthy, you know, weapons. But that was a good point. I totally forgot that. That's a good point. Home Thank alone. you, Dad. Home alone aficionado, and I was like, oh, that is right. He's right. I forgot yeah. about that. That's so, a good point. So. He is sort of the official. You know what also, hey, I got another thing. They're probably kidless. They probably don't have any kids. Yeah. 
and that's they want to see all yeah they want to see all their grandkids and so they're willing to well no they have oh right 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 yeah they wouldn't be their great yeah and, um, think of the nightmare too of taking that those 14 kids to the louvre oh god that'd be terrible it's almost good that they left them at home you know <laughs> one less kid <laughs> yeah so so yeah that official slash unofficial show ombudsman yeah that if you listen every week let us know or we screw up because i mean we're not going to pay you but we appreciate it yeah but we're not offended it's we're not good. offended at all good point good point next uh next next uh miscellaneous i wanted to point this out it's from i read a book like or maybe in like march before mm-hmm. we started this thing uh it's a elmore leonard's old western stories okay Leonard got to start writing Western stories before he kind of transitioned into crime. Oh, he wrote really? the story 310 to Yuma, actually. He did? They've made two movies on. It's based on the movie, yeah. Story. Yeah. Uh, so I read a collection. It's 310 to Yuma and other stories, Western books. And I noticed this, these were published in the 50s. And I'm going through the stories. And there is one story where the bad guy... There's a bad guy sitting in a jail cell, and his name is Obi Wan. That's Outlaw's name, Obi W A N. Isn't that Obi Wan Kenobi? And I was like, huh. And then in another story, there is kind of a mysterious, not quite an outlaw, a mysterious, yeah. helpful stranger whose name is Juan Solo. J U A N Solo. And I was like, huh. I think, and George Lucas kind of famously based Star Wars and Indiana Jones on old Saturday matinees from like the 50s. Weird. So it was Hold very on. conceivable that he read this same collection of stories and just pulled the, pulled I'm the go- names. I'm going to Google this. That is, that's too weird. It's true. It's, it's in the stories. I think it's too much of a coincidence. I think it's kind of cool. It'd be like a little nod to Elmore Leonard. I Googled Star Wars Elmore Leonard and nothing came up. No, I think it's kind of an obscure connection. As far as I can tell, I've never seen it anywhere else, but it's, it's there. Juan Solo and a bad guy sitting in a jail cell who escapes named Obi-Wan. Okay. I like this. I like these. These are kind of random and miscellaneous. Random, but I didn't want to let that fall through the cracks. That was a big discovery from, uh, my year of 2020 reading that's <laughs> and if you're of turmoil you're like wait a second Man, wait, this is wait a second yeah this can't be a coincidence <laughs> or it just sunk in i'm not accusing george lucas of theft i think it's fine he just it's like, oh, oh yeah i don't know yeah. the names i googled yeah. it it doesn't seem like uh anyone else is accusing them of uh there's not an accusation character like cool be a homage an homage homage you know, i'm not i'm not offended i think it's fine i just I think it's neat. Okay. Any other? Uh... That was the only book thing. I thought of, uh, I don't know if like other podcasters, I don't know if there's like a podcast uh, softball league. Mm, kickball, I heard. Oh, yeah, with podcasters. We yep. could do that. Okay. Either or. Uh, I got our team name. What's that? The Horny Honkers. <laughs> That's. But you know what the, the, the logo is? No. It's a goose with ram's horns. Oh, okay. It's not dirty at all. <laughs> a lot you... of those softball type teams like to like do something that's borderline. Oh yeah. Like innuendo, uh, but then like pull back. So okay. The horny honkers softball league. 
I feel like you have too much time on your hands. Mm, yeah, that may be true. <laughs> Did you just, you came up with that a while ago, I have a feeling. Uh, maybe. Okay. Um, wait, what were you saying? Yeah, that's about it. Look how. About it. I have some New Year's resolutions. Just like find some good nemesis is or nemeses. I like it. We really have to talk about it. I think it speaks for itself. I want to find. Do you have Do you have the books that you got for Christmas? Because I have the two books. I only got two books this Christmas. Yeah, I only got four. But yeah, I have them. Pretty you want to go book. through these real quick before we do our uh, January nominations? Yeah, yeah, we do that. I'll start first. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this book book before. It's the only book I really like requested. Um, Scott Anderson, who wrote who wrote Lawrence in Arabia. Yeah. Uh, a book called The Quiet Americans, kind of about the uh, focuses on four uh, CIA spies, uh, kind of the dawn and creation of the CIA. Yeah, nice. Got that book, a little nonfiction uh, book. And then I also got a biography uh, called Mad at the World, A Life of John Steinbeck by William Soder, right here. Got that? Nice. Got that from the uh, got that from the father. Um, so yeah, a little nonfiction. I always usually like to get nonfiction because the people in my life usually know I buy a lot of books. So they don't buy fiction books for me necessarily. So I think they try to go well, obs- not obscure, but uh, maybe genres I don't read as much. So well, I like that too. Cause some of those big old nonfiction ones take more time to read. Yeah, so. it's best to just own them. I was happy. I was happy with uh, the, the two uh, uh, gifted books. So, what'd you get? Would I know you? Uh, I think you asked for more books than I did. So, uh. yeah, but I wound up getting some good ones. I like. Right. Um, I mentioned it on an earlier episode, but I got Pine by Francine okay. Tune. Kind of like a gritty mystery type thing. I remember right. That book has a great cover. Right. Cool cover. Cool cover. Like a deer whose back blends into the forest. Okay. It's pretty good. Like it's a new hardback. It, it, happy with that. Okay. Got this may resurface later as like our a nomination for a month or even a seasonal. Yeah. But uh, it's by an author who's recently came to my attention. You might I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a German guy. E. T. A. Hoffman. E.T.A. Hoffman. I don't know if I know like that. The 1800s. Okay. It's called The Life and Opinions of the Tomcat Muir. Ooh. Murr, M-U-R-R. Okay. It's, uh, I don't know. It, it looks like a Penguin Classic. Is, is yeah, right? Penguin Classic. Okay. Literally about uh, what Tomcat Murr is a lovable self-taught animal who has written his own autobiography. But a printer's error causes his story to be accidentally mixed and spliced with a book about the composer Johannes Chrysler. Two versions break off and alternate at dramatic moments and weave in and out. Okay, that's it's like sounds- experimental fiction before. Yeah, that sounds really. Uh, okay. I like, that's I like the sound of that. It's kind of cool. It's translated, but uh, okay. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I didn't. I've never heard that. of that book. Yeah. Third book, what do we got? And then I got uh, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Oh, cool. Big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very popular book. Big, I've yeah. read that author's other, uh, the first two in her, 
kind of magic London alternative. Yeah, kind of fantastical yeah, type. Yeah, yeah. Very really popular. Yeah, yeah. Instagram, so. There you yeah. go. Be nice to have that. I think that it. could be a nomination this year too, because I want to read that book too. Yeah. Huh. And the last one. One more. I actually already had this, but uh, a double copy. You ever heard of George McDonald? I have. Yeah. I think you've talked about him before too, haven't you? Yeah, he's kind of like a precursor to C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. Yeah, yeah. He's a Scottish guy who kind of wrote uh, fables, fairy tale type stuff. Um, but anyway, this is like one of his most famous ones called Fantasties. Fantasties. It's like fantasies, but spelled weird. The PH and then an extra T in there. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's cool. Sounds My like parents a good, got it for uh, me. Good haul there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Well, let's, uh, let's transition into uh january book nominations uh just to remind the listener december we chose the hobbit which we will have an episode on here uh shortly within the next week or so uh the classic i didn't realize uh the hobbit's considered like a, a kid's book in a sense yeah do you know that i always thought it was like a fantasy but just doing some research on the book um it's uh kind of considered in some circles of uh, a kid's book so mm -hmm. yeah it's one of those that kind of works works in multiple way. yeah multiple uh genres yeah. i would say yeah um and th so how this works is i have uh three nominations matt has three nominations we debate kind of uh you know reveal our feelings about you know what books we want to read it's january it's cold out here in Colorado. The snow is on the ground. Do we want to go happy? Do we want to go sad? Comedy. Matt often has a theme. Matt usually wins these. That is the history of this book club. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. I often am uh, enamored with his choices more than my own. So I can't, if I sound bitter, ignore that because I, I, that's the great thing about uh, books is uh, and having book friends. They often uh, point you in the direction of books that you maybe wouldn't otherwise uh, choose. So. Or am I like really good at uh, psychology? Probably both, uh, if I'm being honest here. Uh, let's see here. Do you want to go first or should I go first? You go first. Oh, damn it. Okay. Well, well you don't have to. No, I'll go first. I'll go first. Uh, let's see here. One of the books I've actually read this time. I usually go books that I haven't read. Um, this is a book uh, I read when I was first getting into reading. And kind of a little backstory. I started getting into reading when I was like, I don't know, 17, something like that. And I saw a list, the Modern Library Top 100 Books uh, that was released in, I think, 1998. Uh, and I saw that list a couple of years after that. Uh, and I was very intrigued by this, you know, list of a hundred books. And this, the, some of the names popped out to me. Some of the names I'd never heard of. One of the books that I never heard of, but I ended up reading was a 1934 novel by John O'Hara called Appointment, Appointment in Samara. Um, 
which kind of led me to start reading really depressing literature because that it is a very depressing book about essentially a character unraveling uh, over the course of a couple days in um, kind of uh, uh, not rural Pennsylvania, but I don't know, uh, just normal Pennsylvania. Um, when I read it, I remember it being, I thought this could be a movie uh, in a sense, hard drinking, uh, the disillusionment of a character, kind of his wife, um, sort of, I don't know. Not, I don't remember exactly what happens. The guy's life just sort of unravels. Have you heard of heard about this novel? No, but I have not heard about the, this novel. The title, I know, like the the myth or the the fable. Yeah, that there's it a makes. there's a and, and that's in the kind of like the prologue or whatever. It's the appointment in Samara. Uh, I think we've talked about this. The 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 fable. It's like, you ironically, by trying to avoid your yeah. fate, wind yeah. up setting up the circumstances that are needed to bring it about. Yeah. So um, the, the content is kind of a little bit of that. I think you would really like this book. That's why I nominate it. Um, it's sad. it's It is pretty sad. Um, How long is it? It's not very long. Okay. It's like 200 and some pages. Uh, it was 22nd on the uh, Modern Library Top 100 Novels of, I think it's the 20th century. Uh, it's 1934. It was his first novel. Um, I think it had some controversy about how it de um, depicted certain aspects of life. Um, so that's my first nomination, Appointment in Samara by John O'Hara. Uh, a book I've read before, but it's been over a decade since I read it. And I uh, kind of want to reread it again. So that's why I want to put it up for nomination. All right. All right. All so your first nomination, Matt. All right. All right. There are a couple different ways I was going to approach this month. Okay. I had like 10 books. I would try to whittle it down. So okay. I'm happy with it. I want you to give it, give them a good consideration. Okay. I, some I always do. I know. I just some of them you might want to dismiss offhand as not your area, but I want you to consider. Yeah. Uh, so this first one, I actually read like a while ago now, but I've been thinking about it, and it kind of meshes with some other stuff I'm going to read in January. So if we go that route, it'll be like a, it'll kind of fit in with my theme at least, and mm -hmm. you find it interesting. Um, it's called Mediated by Thomas De Zingotita. Zingotita, I don't know how to say it, it sounds Italian. It's nonfiction, it's kind of about, uh, about how everything that modern people kind of see, absorb, their view of reality is filtered through several different lenses, like the mass media and when information and how you view life kind of what happens when everything is filtered that way okay so and it is a little older and so there's been lots of technological advances and whatnot but with some stuff like that i like to go back and people who kind of really nail it or nail the moment or seem prescient i think what they're really good at is nailing a, a faucet of reality okay. and then like 15 years later they look prescient but 
what they nailed. Like what I think this came out in 2004, 2005. Yeah, I'm looking at it and 2006 is when the paper. Yeah. So I'm, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened since then. But I'm curious how well it holds up. And sometimes that stuff seems prescient because they nailed something about the moment or people or how the media functions. Yeah. And then that remains true, even though the technology changes. So that's kind of what that's about. And I also, there's an anecdote. It's one of my, it might be one of my favorite things I've ever read. Okay. A real life anecdote from an author. I think about it like all the time, this (laughs) story. It's um, so having described what the book's about, this is a, a real life story that the author tells about him in his 20s that he uses to set the stage for the book. So it is like October, um, autumn in the early 60s. And this guy, Thomas De Zingotita, is taking like a method acting class, you know, where people wear like black leotards and turtlenecks and get to the essence of what it means to feel something you know that type of thing like Stanislavski method and they're kind of warming up doing all their little exercises the teacher's not there yet and somebody pops their head in the door and says the president's been shot okay and they all kind of look at each other like what what that doesn't seem right what's going on and somebody goes it's a prompt and so they think it's like uh, a prompt or an improv and so they start doing what they would really do if somebody were to have shot the president. Yeah. So maybe cry or get down on their knees and yell or stare stoically out the window, whatever it is they would actually do if such a thing were to happen. And they do this for like five or 10 minutes. And then somebody popped out the door to see why the teacher wasn't there. And they come back and they're like, no, for real, somebody shot Kennedy. He's dead. Oh. <laughs> he said, <laughs> He says is, uh, everybody just felt like an idiot. Like yeah. Nobody wanted to make eye contact. Uh, you know, there was no like sad emotion or it didn't sink in. It was like embarrassment because they had just totally collectively misread the situation. Yeah, that's uh, that is a very interesting. It was really funny because there's a it lot of layers, like anybody like, in that sort of method. Well, I don't know. Well, and the fact that the first thing they felt was like embarrassment. Well, the rest of the country was like sad. Yeah, they were kind of sad. You know, Kennedy was young and he wasn't supposed to die. But no, it's the thing that they thought this this um, announcement was somehow connected with their own to them artistic narcissism or whatever. Like, oh, this is how I will. Yeah. And then when they found out it was true, they didn't turn around and do what they would really yeah, do. No. They felt embarrassed. And so there's like a handful of people who Oh, that's interesting. That, that whole uh, you know, do you remember where you were when you heard about Kennedy? Yeah. And for them, it was like, uh, yeah. It's yeah. It, it's funny because it makes it for them it's much more interesting as a artistic um, I don't know, portrayal than an actual reality calls into question method act or their yeah calls into question a lot of things about and if there's authenticity and yeah yeah. well and it's the perfect it's the perfect analogy or or anecdote to open up a book like the one he wrote that is good no that that, that's a good sell because that's a i like that (laughs) that's uh, that story all the time 
Yeah. yeah, that's good. I like that. So yeah, I'm looking. I've never heard of this book. Um, mediated by yeah, yeah I, I cannot cannot pronounce this. Uh, Thomas, we'll call him. Yeah, <laughs> Thomas. No, that's a good pick. That's interesting. I like. Um, so it hasn't been updated. It doesn't look like in any. Not my copy. I have an old paperback. Okay. But... Then if we want to go that route, make January kind of media analysis. Okay. That's a, I like, I'm not dismissing it. Okay. So uh, my second selection was also written in 1934. I didn't, when I was doing, I picked these two books. I didn't realize they were written in the same year. Uh, and then I was like, maybe I should have my third selection from 1934, but I didn't do that. So oh, well, that's not my theme. I was just pointing that out. Uh, it was written for money, essentially. Uh, the author had some debts that he needed to pay off, and he wrote this book. Um, it turned out to be a classic of the genre. You have mentioned this book on this podcast. Um, it was also on the Modern Library Top 100 Novels. I've had a copy of it for probably 15 years. It is the Robert Graves classic, I, Claudius. Oh. Yeah. So historical fiction about uh, sort of a, a fictional account of the Roman emperor Claudius who reigned from, I looked this up, 41 to 54, I want to say, or 55, something like that, for about 13 or 14 years. Mm. Um, sort of came to um, become, is it emperor the right word? I don't, yeah. this is an area I'm not, I'm very not, well-versed in um, yeah yeah emperor. emperor emperor in his 50s he was sort of he had some um things that would not make him a, a good choice to be emperor he seemed like he had a nervous tick from what i read or some like other things that his family wanted to keep him out of the like uh political sphere i guess mm -hmm. so do you know more about this book or or, or claudius no, that as a emperor it, it sort of seemed like he wasn't considered a threat so he wasn't uh, yeah maybe there uh, were political reasons why people felt him being on the throne would yeah better than others like political machinations no that i actually that was on my uh tbr for the year i know i know you mentioned that and i you know what i have had i've had this book for a long time the subject matter is not something i'm super knowledgeable about or um on the surface level interested in but it's a classic uh fiction book that uh, a lot of people speak highly of so i was kind of going through my bookshelves and i saw this book and i thought you know what i, I this might this might win. So that's uh, my second nomination. I Claudius by Robert Graves. There's that's a second, really there's a second one. I don't remember off the top of my Claudius, head. Claudius the God. Claudius the God. That's the second one. But Robert Graves is an interesting dude too. Yeah. If you read he his knows. Wikipedia page, there's some interesting stuff about British him. guys who World War One soldier got really into like mysticism, wrote historical fiction, mm -hmm. Greek, like his Greek myths. Or like the standard, his two volume set was like the standard yeah. history for a long time. Seems like his personal life was of some interest as far as yeah. uh, his sexuality and stuff like that. Of yeah, the he, had a, 
one of those lies that's like messy to live through but fascinating to look back on yeah maybe like you know it a life that if it happened now it wouldn't have been um i don't know as talked about i guess in, in a way so i'm sure there's always gossip yeah it seemed like yeah, it was uh yeah you know why some aspects of his personal life are so talked about as sort of a a, a a symptom of the time i guess but so uh do you like that do you like that nomination i feel like you were you have tempting seen. that might we'll see what happens that okay uh your second nomination matt right from another british dude who lived to be really old okay by, it's called Right Ho Jeeves, P.G. Woodhouse. Okay. What, what's the title again? Right Ho Jeeves. Right O. Ho. H-O. Okay. It is the second of the Jeeves and Wooster okay. novel. One of the funniest. I actually haven't read this one, but it's considered one of the better ones. Um yeah, you've never read Woodhouse, right? No, I didn't know anything about him. I knew the name. I knew he had a huge following. I just didn't know. I thought he was like a mystery author. I something. thought he was a mystery author. I didn't know he was a kind of comedic um, with Jeeves being his main kind of creation of character. Um, you know, this book was published in 1934 as well. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah. That is a bizarre coincidence. That is so yeah. weird. That is very um, strange. Huh. Interesting. 1934. Good year for books. Yeah. Huh. All right. Like Bertie Wooster is like a, this is one of those, what made, one of the things that made Woodhouse brilliant is he like had these really intricately densely plotted books, Mm -hmm. but it's all silly, but the stakes are very real to the characters, but it's all silly nonsense, but it's really tightly plotted. And in addition to me just being really funny. So Bertie Wooster uh, in this one, he's got a, a, a kind of friend called Gussie Finknoddle who okay. doesn't drink, is really into newts. And he's in love with a girl, Madeline Bassett. And he wants to get engaged to her, but he can't get up the courage. And so he's got a, Bertie Wooster is, is notoriously helpful when it comes to his friend's love life. So okay. he's recruited to help Gussie Finknoddle get together with Madeline Bassett and there's lots of mix em ups and trouble has gotten into. And of course, Jeeves, the butler, is ultimately who helps him out of the pickle. He's, I'm not doing it justice, but that old timey right there. No, no, I, I like the nomination. I like incredibly funny. Okay. Of, yeah. Hey, we could all do with some laughing right now. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, all right. My last nomination. Uh, is another, I, I really just pandering to you at this point, but I want to read this book. Uh, published in 1847. Yeah, you should have made it in 1934. I know, I should have. Uh, published under the, the name Kerr Bell. It's considered one of the uh, classic great romance novels of all time. Uh, it's considered ahead of its time. It's Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, not only did I you mention this book uh, on sort of our 2021 TBR yeah. prompt, 
uh, episode. Uh, it's something I, I have not read any of the Bronte sisters. Uh, I would say this and Withering Heights are probably the two more, most famous of uh, their out- output. And I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to nominate it, see your feelings on this. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's a fairly long novel, but uh, a classic. Yeah. Um, Is it long? I saw an edition that's like 600 pages, so I don't know. But maybe I'm Damn, I, that yeah. might be, just be uh, a, a copy with a lot of uh, essays or something like that. So what, what are your thoughts? I don't think you're as enthusiastic. No, I like it. I want to read it. Okay. I need to read it. Maybe even this year. <sighs> it might be worth doing. Okay. See how long it is, though. <laughs> It's uh, why do you say it was published under the name? She uh didn't publish it under her own name. Oh, it's a pen name, yeah. Pen name, no, none of I don't think any of the Bronte sisters published under their own name. I could be wrong about this, but that seemed to be they each had their own um kind of pseudonym, okay. Kerr Bell, C U R R E R, Curry Bell, Curry Bell, Ray Adam, huh? How to pronounce that, yeah. So but Jane Eyre, hmm. but not by Jane Eyre, Jane Eyre, or Jane Eyre, as you once uh, called her. Yep. The, the classic Eyre sisters <laughs> of the great Michigan area. No, just kidding. All right. I, you, silence. Slot, this is that nomination was met with silence. No, I'm thinking about it. Okay. You're thinking. I think maybe we should just do it, but. I, I would also like to point out, I have, I think, six or seven books on reservation at the library this month. I went out of my mind because I wanted to read some new fiction to start the year. And those books might all come in at once because they never <laughs> spread them out evenly amongst the time. So I might I might have uh, put, put too many pancakes on the plate, so to speak. Uh-huh. not saying I just made it up. It's kind of good, though. Yeah, no, it works. It works too. Well, let let me hear your last nomination. So we have all six. Okay. So this is another guy I don't think you've read. Okay. Uh, uh, Kind of famously intimidating or dense author. And this is one of his more accessible nonfiction books. I also, I read this back in the day too. Okay. Called Consider the Lobster by David Foster Wallace. Okay. You heard of it? No, I've not read uh, Mr. Wallace here. You've heard of this one? I Yes, I have heard of it. The second collection of essays. Um, he wrote really good, like, nonfiction. Like, his journalism. He would get sent out by, like, uh, magazines. Yeah, I read some tennis one he did, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. I always found those to be kind of the most boring of his, but... <laughs> This one's really good. It's got a fame. He was a pretty famous, like he was a campaign journalist for John McCain's 2000 campaign for a little bit. Really? Better yeah, political campaigns or, you know, political campaign literature. Yeah. Uh, he's got a pretty good one towards the end where he called host, where he sits in with like a, a right wing disc jockey radio host and kind of just watches very good at describing what's going on it's funny it's entertaining too like a lot of uh 
a lot of lit fic or contemporary authors, especially their nonfiction, their essays are just dull. Yeah. Really bad. This is like the opposite. Okay. Got a couple of pretty good essay on John Irving. Um, the, the essay where the title comes from, Consider the Lobster, is he goes to this like lobster festival up in Maine where all you do is eat lobster for a while. It's kind of meditating on our lobsters sentient. There's evidence that they actually feel pain and whatnot and ethical nature of eating animal like all that stuff it's really good really okay uh, let's see here all right let's go through all the the nominations here i had appointment in samara by john o'hara a very depressing um novel from the 30s i also have i claudius by robert graves a classic in uh historical fiction from the ancient Roman times. I have Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, uh, a classic romance uh, buildings Roman novel from 1847. Matt nominated Mediated, How the Media Shapes Your World and the Way You Live by Thomas de, de Zingati, de, I don't know, by Thomas, we'll call him. Uh, right Ho Jeeves by P.G. Woodhouse, uh, master of the, the comedic novel. And then we have a, a collection of essays called Consider the Lobster by David Foster Wallace, uh, an author that probably needs no introduction, maybe more for his nonfiction, I guess, than his fiction. What are your initial feelings about those nominations and what do you want to read for January? The ambitious part of me wants to just do Jane Eyre. <laughs> you know, just yeah. do it. But I also like I, Claudius. I like two of yours. Okay. My feeling was I, Claudius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of those prompts we did was a book that you've had on your TBR for a long time. I've had this copy, I realized since maybe freshman year of college, or, you know, early college times. And I have never, I don't think ever read the first page of this book. <laughs> yeah. I just, I bought it just basically purely on it being on this classic, you know, modern library list book. Um, but I, I, I kind of think at some point I should try to read this book. I feel like with you there, cause you know more about this time period, don't you kind of? A little bit, a little, little bit. bit. I'm not an expert. And especially after after like Augustus died, I kind of don't know because there's a bunch of different emperors and stuff. I'm yes, it's. I feel but like that's one of the it, reasons I always wanted to read. It's daunting because it's. I feel like you know you could study oh. this era for a long time and still not know everything. Yeah, but actually, one of the best introductions to stuff like that is to read a, a good historical fiction. I find yeah. it, it just jumping. You know, it's it's you don't have to worry about not knowing enough about the era it's actually okay. a good way to learn about it is to read historical fiction and kind of get you no, i agree um yeah, i could do that i could okay. do that if you had to choose one of mine what stood out what would you want to go i with? think your first one sounds the most interesting yeah as sort of a uh, examination of what holds up and what maybe was not accurate or maybe it had a truth like a kernel of truth to it but um oh no i think i think it'll totally hold up. i think it's a good media i don't think 
my point was I don't think it'll be dated. Okay. I think it'll be interesting to see how well it holds up, you know. And just good media analysis, because I, I ultimately don't think much has changed. Yeah. So. Uh, right hook jeans. It sounds good. Interesting. PG Woodhouse. Um, I'm make me read Woodhouse one of these days. No, I I, I should read Woodhouse. Uh, David Foster Wallace. I've never really been drawn to. I know you're a fan. Um, well, this would be the entryway. Okay, it's the- always seemed a little daunting, and um, I don't know. I've never had that like just spark or someone to sort of like, hey, you should like maybe guide me through it in a sense so um i don't know my first thing is robert graves um just okay. you know a classic well, well okay book. let's do it let's do roman roman, roman history intrigue and political i think it's got something for all of us here okay robert graves i claudius there is also i, I know there is a bbc BBC series from the seventies. I want to say, watch a movie too. Yeah, yeah. Or and I in the on the Wikipedia page it said, um, uh, Stannis Baratheon from Game of Thrones was uh, based off of a character on that TV show or on oh. that TV series. I Claudius. So, hmm. well, a little fun fact for you there. Kind of a big burly brusque guy. Yeah, who likes to go and kill. Uh, what did he kill? A uh, not a pig, but what was the thing? Oh, he went boar hunting. That's how boar hunting. Yes, spoilers for Game of Thrones, but yeah. yeah so. Okay. Wait, Stannis or? Oh no, that's that's Robert Baratheon, right? Robert. Okay. Which one was Stannis? Stannis, I think, is the. Oh, he's the one with the the, the, the leaner one, kind of, lady, right? Yeah, I didn't like him. Okay. No. Okay. Okay, I know what you mean. Okay. All right. So our, our January uh, book club okay. selection is sure, I- not not Jane not Jane Eyre because that's the other that would be good to do too. But we'll do. Let's do I Claudius. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sound res- reserved. I Claudius. Let's do I Claudius. Yeah. You have a copy. I have a copy. Okay, I have a copy as well. I, Claudius, by Robert Graves. We are going back in time, 2,000 years. So, historical fiction. So, yeah, uh, to the listener out there, join us uh, this month as we read uh, a classic in the genre. And uh, we can, uh, if you like this kind of thing, cross off number, what was it? 14 on the Modern Library Top 100 Novels of the 20th Century. So... This is on that too? Yeah, it's number 14. Nice. It's pretty high up there. So uh Matt, any uh bookish thoughts uh you have for me? Well, I wanted to say I, I got a copy, a galley of a book that's coming out here in February. Get out of town. Lauren Euler, and I think her publicist or her team kind enough to send us a galley of uh her first novel called fake accounts okay uh it's good i started i just read the first chapter it's pretty good okay Uh, so that's gonna be like my second january 
like novel. Yeah, and very kind of them to send us a. Very nice. Oh, yeah. yeah, we Maybe. will. Uh, anyone who, uh, any publisher or author who sends us a book, we will kindly. Uh, we won't like just praise the book without reading it. We will read it and give us uh, give you our honest thoughts. Uh, so you can't buy us, but yeah, we have uh, we, uh, we some integrity. Yeah. No, but this one, this looks good. I like. She's a good. Um, yeah, you had mentioned that you had heard of her before, sort of her. Yeah, political. yeah, but this is like her first novel, and so I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna see. Maybe you want to read it, but we'll probably do later okay. uh, an episode about this later in January. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm liking it. Exciting. Nice. Um, set in modern times, kind of about social media, how it affects people. I'm not that far into it yet, but that's kind of why the mediated book would have jived well. Okay. I see what you're saying. But I'm excited to have that. So I'm going to be reading that. And I guess uh, I, Claudius some other things um yeah, yeah i uh i have that i have uh, so we have i claudius i have seven books from the library that i've uh, put on hold which is insane i have my reading goals for 2021 which are not you know light reading or short reading so I'm starting the year off busy just put it that way so but it's fun it's good that's good i have uh, uh that book winter winter counts I mentioned earlier it's like oh. a, a thriller like oh yeah 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 had that on hold okay. finally got how much of these hills is gold from the library so i have two i bought that book on a kindle deal or whatever oh you have it too yeah mm-hmm. i have a kindle version of it for like two bucks so we could also read that at some point together too because i that sounded really interesting from uh yeah kind of a book that was talked about a lot last year okay so. Yeah, I'll hang on to that one. Well, we have a lot of books, a lot of books yeah. throughout the year. Yeah, we. I, th- I feel like we started focused maybe uh, a couple weeks ago, and then we get to the new year, and it's we're all over the place. Yeah, but it's good. We'll get. No, it's good. Done what we need to get done, and so uh, the listener can get in contact with us a couple ways uh, on Instagram. Uh, the, on there will be books. You can uh, find us there as we post pictures of books and uh, dogs and, and, and such, and, and uh, let us know uh, what you're reading there. We also are on uh, Goodreads. I posted a, uh, a review of uh, The Cold Millions by Jess Walter there, so you can check that out. We're also on Twitter at uh, There Will Be Books, where uh, we'll, you can interact with us. Let us know your uh, bookish opinions and thoughts and uh, what you're reading, as always. And let's see here. We have a email account at willbebooks at gmail.com. We also have a Ko-Fi account, which is a way that you can support us uh, with money. Uh, small donations, kind of like a tip jar. And uh, we will use that money to go to our local um, independent bookshops and buy books and talk about them and debate them and, you know, that kind of thing. So, Matt, am I missing anything? No, we had a Patreon. We have a Patreon that we will uh, slowly be developing it uh, over the course uh, of the year. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Matt? Or look for our episode on The Hobbit. The Hobbit. And uh, Count of Monte Cristo. Count of Monte Cristo. Part one. Part one. It's a big book. We're probably going to 
divided into two or three. We'll see. Uh, There's a lot to discuss in that book. It's yeah. um, but look for part one here soon. Okay. Uh, any last thoughts, Matt? Um. Well, I was gonna run this by you off air, but I was thinking of adding thought leader to our Twitter profile. Okay. Because you know I'm a life coach, but I have the new phrase for that type of thing is thought leader. That's what all the Silicon Valley people and whatnot are doing. So I was wondering like how many followers you have to have to count as a thought leader. But then I was like, you know, just act, just do it. Don't ask permission. So I guess, yeah, I'll probably just put update. Not a real, not an aphorism or anything. Just look for a thought leader to be in our Twitter bio from now on. Uh, and until next time, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>